0: Terms and conditions
2: apply. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook DynaPro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com sports. Tirewright.com. That's way Tire Buying should be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal
1: podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
0: This is Uncanny USA.
2: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs>
1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox
2: Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. We try and be the uh, James Brown, the late great James Brown uh, of radio. Hardest working man in show business. Feeling a little bit for Dan Patrick this morning. You might have seen me on Colin Cowherd's show, heard me on Colin Cowherd's show. We did a uh, digital piece for Facebook Live and the uh, Twitter site for College Basketball, Fox Sports Radio. And now I am uh, like I will be the rest of the week. Um, tomorrow from Nashville and Thursday from Birmingham and Friday from Pittsburgh. We'll be traveling, but the Doug Gottlieb Show will come live and direct to you from uh, from wherever we are. Um, and uh, I'm actually going to do some games on Facebook. Facebook is, of course, I like to say Facebook's the future. It's really the now. It's really the now. And um, two billion users plus on Facebook. Yeah, there'll they'll be some eyes on that. Doing the three Facebook games in three days. So that'll be fun. And uh, still with you every afternoon or midday, depending on where you're listening to this show. We appreciate it. Brad Stevens, head coach of the first place Celtics, who did lose last night. So I do not take credit. It is not a Gottlieb curse if you lose the night before you join me. Of course, we will grant him a win in his next game. But uh, Brad Stevens will join us upcoming in 15 minutes here on the program. We have a lot to get to. Let's begin with Monday Night Football. And so ends an incredibly boring weekend in the National Football League. But it ends with Joe Flacco winning. Joe Flacco won. He won. Um, look, I don't know how many times we can do this in different ways in different sports, but if you keep asking the same question and you aren't getting the answer that you feel like is appropriate, you know, that the tough answer, the hard answer is in fact, the hard truth. Remember a couple years ago when Joe Flacco, before he won a Super Bowl, it was, is Joe Flacco elite? Should Joe Flacco get elite money? And, of course, he led the Ravens to a Super Bowl. And I'll be the first to admit that Joe is uh, even more than Jeter. Like, Derek Jeter gets credit for being a great clutch player. What Derek Jeter was able to do is be the same player in the postseason he was in the regular season. Like, the stats are eerily similar. And in many ways, I would rather be seen as clutch than good, right? Right. Like, Robert Ori is not one of the great power forwards of all time, but damn, it sure seemed like he made a lot of big shots, didn't it? And the indelible image of the Super Bowl, and of course our knowledge that he cashed in, he, he, he put his reputation on the line, he cashed in on winning a championship. strikes me as among the most memorable parts of that Super Bowl run. Sure, it was Ray Lewis, but the fact is Ray Lewis hurt more than helped the Ravens on the field. They went at him, not away from him. Sure, it was the blackout game to which Colin Kaepernick and the Niners nearly came from behind and won, albeit uh, they were not able to score on a fade pattern, something he doesn't throw well, and which is completed at a very low rate. But the... Biggest story from the Baltimore Ravens winning the Super Bowl a couple years ago was Joe Flacco is he elite? And if the the and if the initial answer or the answer that's repeatedly given doesn't seem to measure up, it's because the hard answer is the true answer. Now, do I think that Joe Flacco has gotten worse? I actually do. Remember he suffered a debilitating ACL injury. Remember he had a bad back to start the year. He is not surrounded uh, by nearly the talent he has been surrounded by in the past. They don't have a running game to speak of. They don't have Steve Smith. Um, there have been plenty of players that have come and gone and offensive coordinators that have that have come and gone. But the fact is that we keep trying to... They, this narrative of Joe Flacco having won a... Hey, listen, he won a Super Bowl. Hey, listen, he won a Super Bowl. And I don't think that puts him in the trend for just hand the ball off and manage the clock game manager mode. But if you want to tell me Joe Flacco is elite, that's fine. I have enough data now to prove that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that he's a bad guy. It doesn't mean that he's a horrible player. It doesn't mean that he should be embarrassed to show himself in public. But can we be honest? He's just okay. And just okay is probably overselling it. He's probably getting that Super Bowl pass. And that's what you get. You win this World Series, you get a World Series pass. You win a college football championship, you get a college football pass. You win an NBA championship, we give you an NBA championship pass. When the truth is that Joe Flacco has been mostly the same guy his entire career, and that is just not that of elite quarterback. That's of mostly an average quarterback and even some below-average quarterback. Here's Joe Flacco on his team's chances to make the Super Bowl.
1: We want to win the Super Bowl. I've been in this league long enough to know if you don't win the Super Bowl, it doesn't mean anything. And if we believe we can win the Super Bowl with how we're playing right now, I'm all for it. I really am. But, I mean, you guys can, you know, we can all take a look at that and say that it's probably not super realistic. We need to go out there and we need to go get it. And we need to be better on our side of the ball in order for that to happen.
2: And look, he says and does all the right things. He is not a problem uh, off the football field. He's not even a problem. He's not a problem in the locker room. And and I would say that his general statistics are better than his stats this year, which nine touchdowns and eleven interceptions. That's his actual stats this year. But here we are in the era where. Everybody should throw for 3,000, occasionally 4,000. He did throw for 4,000 yards last year, but that's because they were not a good team. 15 picks last year. He's generally about a 20 to 25 touchdown guy, a 10 to 15 interception guy. That's what he is. He is average Joe. He is just average Joe Flacco. And this year he's been slightly below average. He's throwing shorter crossing routes. He's not challenging people deep down the field. Some of that is the personnel that surrounds him. Some of that is the fact they don't have a running game. But some of that is Joe Flacco. When people kept asking, is he elite? Is he elite? Is he elite? And, and the answer never really satisfied you. It's because the hard answer was, no, he's not. But it's hard to say that somebody who won a Super Bowl, somebody who's performed uh, better than expected in the playoffs, isn't considered an elite quarterback. Like, we get on to, there's some similarities there to Eli Manning, who of course has won two Super Bowls, where Eli has been good or better at times in the playoffs than his reputation in the regular season. Eli never gets hurt, doesn't miss a a start, throws for about the same number of yards, throws for slightly more touchdowns. Eli is a slightly better quarterback than Joe Flacco, but there's, we, we almost pay too much attention to the postseason with Flacco limited sample size, quality coaching staff, and the fact that playing with the Ravens, he's always been in the playoffs. So kind of like Jeter, he's been able to accrue a lot, a lot more uh, playoff games. And the more playoff games, the more playoff success that you can have. And to be totally honest, in most of those playoff games, they have a dominant defense and dominant running game. And so Joe Flacco doesn't have to be great, doesn't have to carry a team. But the elite of all elite can carry their football team. And Flacco's just not that guy. And especially not within this offense. So this is, I give this advice to guys all the time. I give it to Ryan Music, who's been dating his girlfriend for over a year now, right, Music?
0: That's correct.
2: Did you ever get the the reinvite to the second Hawaii trip, or has that ship sailed?
0: No, I, I have been. The formal invitation has been resubmitted, and I have accepted.
2: Good, good, good man. And look, I'm not going to put you on the spot, not at least now, but you know, like once you've been with a girl six months to a year, and, you, and somebody asks you, like, are you in love? Is she the one? And you're like, mm, I don't know. It's because you know what the answer is. You know what the answer is. And the reason you don't want to give the honest answer, which is, if it's not yes, absolutely, is probably not. Because then you have to go back. First, then you have to break a girl's heart or she has to break your heart, however it works. And then you got to start all over and go through the process. You're like, eh. And even that's not a problem. She's like, mm, I'm better off just staying here. Maybe I'll feel it sometime soon. Like, dude, if you don't feel it six months or a year in, you ain't gonna feel it.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
2: app. Let's welcome in the head coach of the team with the best record, uh, still the best record in the NBA, even after last night's loss to the Pistons. It's Brad Stevens of the Seas. He joins us now on Fox Sports Radio. Brad, how are you? Hi, Doug. How you doing? Good, man. Um, Let's start at the beginning. Gordon Hayward goes down in the first quarter of your first game. And like, look, there's there's far more tragic events that um, you also don't prepare yourself for. But for as a coach, you have 11 new players and a lot of the hype is surrounding not just Kyrie, but Gordon. Um, what did you draw on? Like what level of, of preparation could you draw on in order to kind of reconfigure your team as you were still figuring out your team when you lost Gordon in the first quarter of your first game?
3: Well, I think there's a couple of layers to that, right? The first one is the emotional loss, not only for, you know, for for him, but you how you feel for him. Um because you know that he obviously, you know, this was a hard decision for him to come to Boston and to choose to come here and and choose to play with this team and for it to really be taken away in the first 6 minutes of the season is really difficult and there's a lot of challenges that come every day with um, you know, the with going through rehab versus going through and, and having a scoreboard and competing in the games and but he's doing he's doing really well in all of that and and when we when we learned that um he was gonna be able to make a full recovery and he chose surgery and the surgery went great and he started that process I think it was Um, you know an opportunity for us all to say okay now how do we uh, maximize this the hard part in the NBA is the lack of practice time yeah Uh, we haven't hardly had any practices since the start of the season because we basically played every other day for the last 36 days and and so what we've done is we've tried to you know um, you know walk through by walk through meeting by meeting um, talk about how we can be a little bit better and play a little bit better and, you know, we've had a lot of guys step up and, and, and play um, well in his absence or others' absences when we've had other injuries thus far.
2: Yeah, Your schedule is interesting because, you know, like the Lakers had like four days off before playing last night. And your schedule continues with this, right? Like you played last night. Now you do have a couple of days before you this play third. All, yeah. Yeah, and and then after that, it goes back to the either one day off or you're you're playing on back to backs yet again. Like it feels like, and maybe that's the, the the curse of being good and people wanting to see you on TV.
3: Yeah, and probably and, and and the other thing that's uh, unique about our schedule this year is we go to London, so there's a big break in the middle of January when you're traveling to and from London and the days off and recovering and everything else. So you you have other you know times of your schedule that are jammed up, but that's okay. You can you can manage that appropriately. Um, the, the bottom line is you just can't practice very often because, um, you know, you're going to need everything you've got to play in the games, um, you know, from a physical and mental perspective. And so I think the, um, you know, the one thing is after after we hit the new year here, we'll have an even better feel for where we are. We'll be halfway through our schedule. Um, and then we'll actually have some time um, to be on the practice court, uh more consistent time to be on the practice court with that London trip um, you know, prior to the, the last half of the season.
2: All right, well let's just one more on Gordon. Is it is it at all possible that he plays in the playoffs this year?
3: Oh uh, we've we've basically just talked to the staff about him getting better and and being full tilt for next year. So I don't want to, you know, I don't, I would never put that on him either way, but I would say that that would be really, really unlikely.
2: Brad Stevens, head coach of the Celtics, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. You win 16 in a row and you said it was a mirage because oftentimes you guys were falling behind and getting away with not playing exactly the way you want to play, but there is something to the culture of winning, right? There is something to finding ways to win games, even though, you aren't executing the way in which the coaches intended, or the way that probably gives you the best uh, the best ceiling in the playoffs. There is something to finding ways to win those games, no?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think so. The other part of it is is that you know we played um, basically a couple full games without Kyrie after he had his um, facial fracture. We played a few games without Al in there. Um, you know, we we played a game this weekend without Jalen. We played some games without Marcus Smart. So we've we've had other injuries that that haven't lasted as long that we've had to have guys step up and play well. And um, you know, guys have just been willing to take on the next task. I think you know, in both of our losses in the last week, Miami and Detroit, um, you know, we could have done things better. But you know, you also have to tip your tip your cap to the teams you're playing against and. Miami played terrific last Wednesday, and I thought Detroit played as good of a game against us as anybody's played all year.
2: Brad Stevens, head coach of the Boston Celtics, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, help me out with Marcus. Like, I watch him, and I see the little things he does. But what's amazing is the, the splits, right? When you guys lose, he shoots well, right? In losses, he's shooting 41% from three. He's averaging nearly 14 a game. Like, he's shooting the ball well. When you guys win... He shoots terribly. Twenty-five percent from three, twenty-eight uh, percent from the free throw line. Like, how do you how do you explain that to the layman fan that that it that his his points and his shooting doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because the stats be lot. you should be a better team if he shoots the ball better.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure that I can explain those um, that away. I guess the only way I'd explain it is we're in a small sample size, right? Um, but I think. I think the biggest thing, and, and you said it earlier, he does so many little things that affects winning. And Marcus knows this, that um, I'm sure that, you know, whether it's his high school coach, college coach, parents, um, whatever the case may be, they may believe equal to me, but nobody believes in him more than I do. Like, I think that he's just a winner. He just impacts winning. He, he cares about team success. Um he's has a way about him that I really, really appreciate and I always believe the next the next play is gonna go right for him and when the game is really on the line I believe it even more. I mean we saw that last year um in the playoffs. We saw it two years ago in the playoffs when we had some injuries and he had to guard Millsap um for a half against Atlanta like he just has a special knack about him. He makes winning plays, and, you know, a lot of them go unnoticed or certainly don't appear on a stat sheet. But I really don't get too caught up in whether he's making shots or not. It's more about, you know, are we as a team finding the right shots for us? And we all believe that he will step up and make them, um, and uh, and he deserves to make them with the time he puts in.
2: Brad Stevens joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Um I noticed those first couple games of the year that Kyrie wasn't necessarily letting your offense work for him, that he was still kind of isolating the guy. And one of the amazing things that you guys are able to do is create at the end of shot clock uh, the opportunity for him or whomever to be guarded by usually the biggest guy on the floor. Like, find the center. that's your best That's your best opportunity for a mismatch. And it felt like he was like his default, you know, we all have revert to our default. His default was just take it and make a play, clear everybody out. And if help comes, then kick out for the open pass. What has the process been like of getting him integrated into what you want to do to not get a good shot, but get the better shot?
3: Um, I, I don't think that's, you know, first of all, he's been great to be around. He's been easy to coach. Um, and, you know, I think that it, it – it, that uh, us as a team we need to we've needed to improve our offense and and thankfully our offense has steadily improved over the last month but he's been terrific the whole time and i don't think i think when you have a uh, a player of his caliber and um you know i've been really fortunate you know when you think about getting a chance to coach isaiah the last few years and now kyrie as some of the some of the best point guards in the n b a you kind of pinch yourself that that you get a chance to do this, but um I think it's more about us um figuring how to help him rather than him trying to you know come to us. I think we need to do a better job of making sure that we all understand how he best can have success and and you know you said it a lot of teams switch on to Al especially late, so you do end up with those matchups but you know he's a special offensive player, and and when you're in coaching, I think one of your the the biggest keys is to try to learn the guys on your team as quickly as you can. It does take time, and I think we're still all learning each other a little bit. But um, you know it's our job to help put him in position to help him have his best success because he can do so many great things.
2: Well, tell me something you've learned about Kyrie that you frankly did not know. Doesn't have to be on the court, but something you learned about him that you didn't know before coaching him.
3: You know, I, 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 I think I knew this, and certainly, you know, when you're watching and playing against him, I mean, we've coached against him in the playoffs two of the last three years, and he's just a really, really hard guy to stop. I didn't realize how good of a cutter he was. Um, and he, and he, and he has, you know, he showed that at times, certainly, but he has one of the quickest, um, setups and back cuts that I've seen. And, um, he's got a really special ability to get open. Um, and then for him to be able to stop, play under control and make shots at the level that he does is, he's a remarkable player. That's for sure.
2: No, no, and, and, and the other part is, like, on those cuts, as quick as they are, he catches everything, right? Like, he doesn't, he, and, and I think that's, it's like an underrated part I, when we don't talk about guards and their hands, right? We always talk about big guys and their hands, but when he cuts or when he drives or how he picks up the basketball in those incredible finishing shots, he doesn't seem to bobble the ball ever. Like, I'm sure he does. I mean, you see him every day. He does, but it sure seems like he bobbles it a whole lot less than everybody else.
3: There's no doubt about it. And then the finishes are, you know, as unique as any guard that I've ever seen. Um, his ability to to finish with touch with either hand, a variety of ways um, all around the rim. It's just, you know, again, it's, it's pretty unique.
2: Uh, Danny talked about timeline. When you guys, when you guys signed Gordon, when you guys traded for Kyrie, he was talking about timeline. And I think what we all read into that was like, look, this is a long-term build plan, but, Tatum appears to be further along than most of us thought. Jalen Brown appears to have improved and been further along than most of us thought. And your team for having 11 new pieces and losing Gordon Hayward seems to be better along. Again, I know this is more result oriented than the process that you watch every day. So I guess, perhaps my question is what, what are, what are your reasonable expectations about your club when we get to the end of the season?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think here's the here's the the reality is that Danny um Danny has been unbelievable to work for um as has our ownership group and and I think though that that they really have to be in the always in the in focus of the long view and seeing where we um go from here, how do we make ourselves the best that we can be? Um, where are we with regard to the cap five years from now? Blah 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 blah. And I'm more focused on just today, so I, I, I haven't even thought about all that stuff. You know, it's a more about okay yeah, but, our,
2: but, but, our defense. But, but, but Brad, you know how it is. We watch you. Gordon goes down. And you're like, well, they can't win. They can't win. And like everybody like cancel their seat. Can't win. Can't compete at the highest level. And then all of a sudden you start beating people. You're like, wait, maybe maybe they are further along. I mean, the Cavs added a bunch of different pieces, and who knows. Like I that that never came into your mind as to wait, maybe we can compete at the top level of this league this year.
3: all I think about is the next game, Doug, and I know that sounds crazy, and I know it sounds just like a coachism, but i've I've gone into every game my whole career with the emphasis of okay, how do we prepare ourselves best to give ourselves the best chance of winning this game, and I think that you've 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 played, you've coached, you've been around it your whole life. You go into every game thinking that you can win the next possession and then if you add all those up you can win the game and but i also think that's how you got to go about it when it's all on the line you know in april may and june and and you know i i think we've made strides over the last couple of years obviously but we're a brand new team and we'll see we'll see what what we look like when it's all said and done you know this is no, no NBA team has ever been uh, judged um, based on what they've done through twenty-two games. So we've yeah, no, got we've yeah, got we, a long way to go to find out if we're if we're good or not.
2: Yeah, I I well, listen the, the champion the the November championship trophy is in the mail. <laughs> I know that's a big one, right? They they put that alongside the seventeen other actual NBA titles in, in Boston Garden. But uh, you did you did win it. In the meantime, can't wait to catch up in person. Appreciate you stopping by and joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
1: All right, Doug. Take care. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: Guess who's not starting at quarterback for the G-Men? Find out now as we bring in Dan Byer. Dan, what do you got for me?
4: Well, Doug, it is breaking news in the National Football League. The Giants announced that Eli Manning will not start Week 13 against the Raiders. Instead, it's Geno Smith who will be the team's starting quarterback, ending Manning's consecutive start streak at 210 games. It should be noted... That Manning was given the option to start week 13 against the Raiders, but was told by head coach Ben McAdoo that he would not finish the game, that the team did want to see rookie quarterback Davis Webb and also Geno Smith in action. Manning said, hey, if you're going to give the guys an opportunity to play, you might also give them the practice reps as well. So Eli Manning is going to the bench for week 13. Ending a streak of 210 consecutive starts. As I mentioned, the Giants have the Raiders coming up on Sunday. On Thursday, the Redskins will face the Dallas Cowboys, and Redskins' tight end Jordan Reed didn't practice again today because of a knee injury. The Niners have the Bears on Wednesday, or excuse me, on Sunday. It's on Wednesday that the team is expected to announce their starting quarterback for the game, either a banged up C.J. Beathard or Jimmy Garoppolo. Speaking of injuries, Clippers forward Blake Griffin. Could miss two months of action with a knee injury. Griffin sprained his MCL in last night's game against the Lakers. It's ESPN to put out the two-month timetable. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry practice today for the Warriors, but both are questionable for tomorrow's game against the Lakers. The Yankees scheduled to interview Carlos Beltran for their managerial vacancy. He just won a World Series with the Astros, then retired. He becomes the sixth person to interview for that job. But again, the big news, Giants benching Eli Manning. Almost at his request, Doug, and instead, going with Geno Smith to start Sunday against the Raiders.
2: Okay, can can I, I mean, can we dial back? Dan, you were there. Ryan, you were there as well. Um, And uh, get well soon, John Ramos, who's battling a cold. I always love when we're fighting a cold. Nobody actually fights anything. Anyway, um, but didn't, like we were five games in the season and they had lost Odell Beckham Jr. And I said, hey, they should trade him to the Jaguars because the Jaguars need a quarterback. The Jaguars are basically run- uh by not basically they are run by his former coach tom coughlin and you know at the end of the year they're going to be considering a quarterback change anyway and trying to get younger and see what they got now like why not start that that process i did say that was sometimes yes. you think things and you didn't you didn't say it. and be like no you didn't say that doug i did say that right dan yes you did absolutely All right. and did everyone-
4: and by the way you got some flack for it and then a few weeks later other people were saying, why don't the Jaguars trade for Eli Manning? So, Yeah, I think
2: it was – was it D'Angelo Williams who joined us who said that's crazy, that'll never happen? Music, you, you recall. You write the show notes, don't you?
0: Yeah, it was D'Angelo Williams because his point was that it's not so much that Eli is done and he can't play anymore, but behind their poor offensive line, which has gotten moderately better, but it was so bad at the beginning of the year, he said – you he that's when he made the comment about like put that dog down like if you no one could play behind their offensive line given their weapons and it wasn't just on I, Eli I, I don't
2: I don't dispute that. I I think the same thing in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo, but at least the Niners understand like hey dude, we're playing for next year and the year after that. Like right? I mean that's th- this is kind of sports in 2017 like And you have a, I mean, look, you don't just trade him to trade him. And normally you wouldn't want to send him to Jacksonville, but Jacksonville has got a good team and they're a quarterback away. And oh yeah, by the way, Jacksonville's run by his former head coach. Like all of that made total sense to me. And now they're stuck with Eli Manning, who I'm sure is pissed, right? Like it sounds like the gentleman thing to do. Like, are you going to pull me out anyway? Why don't you let those guys start? Like you think that start streak doesn't mean something to him? Of course it does. Of course it does. I would think much less of Eli Manning if it doesn't. Now, he, he'll never say publicly that it matters to him. But it absolutely means something to him. So he's got the second longest start streak in the history of the National Football League. And he's like, eh, you know, you're going to replace me anyway. Why don't you just pull me?
4: His quote, Doug, in a statement, said, "My feeling is that if you're going to play the other guys, play them. Starting just to keep the streak going and knowing you won't finish the game and have a chance to win, to have a chance to win it, is pointless to me, and it
2: tarnishes the streak." End mm. quote. Um, you know, I, uh, i mean, It's fascinating, fascinating to watch the Giants, right? And I don't like look. I don't blame the Geno Smith thing is. Like, you want to talk about a guy just getting a shot because he's a veteran. Like that? I mean, you're not, even then, you're not really going to get a sense of Davis Webb. Like, I get it. Gino's Gino's been in New York. Gino's started games. Gino was drafted by the Jets. You brought him as a free agent. I'm sure he's done all of the right things. But, like, when the point to figure out if Davis Webb can play? All right, so prepare Davis Webb like he's a starter, and let's see how he plays with those scripted plays to start the game. Fascinating. Fascinating. Be
1: sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: The other two teams competing for, as of today, that last playoff spot, the Seahawks and the Falcons. And I think everyone knew, outside of the the devastating injuries to Richard Sherman and to Cam Chancellor, everyone knew that the Seahawks' biggest issue was their offensive line. And to solidify that offensive line, they made a midseason trade for Pro Bowler Dwayne Brown with the Houston Texans, who joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Dwayne, congrats on the win this past weekend. How are you?
5: I'm good. How you guys doing?
2: Good, man. Okay, so let's let's go back to when you're in Houston. Uh, take me through your decision to hold out, because I think uh, before you came back to the team. Um, early on their offensive line, the Texans offensive line was a disaster and everybody's like Dwayne Brown's rolling in the money. And then Deshaun Watson comes in and they changed the offense and you weren't as, as readily discussed. What take me back through that decision to sit out, to get a new contract and what it was like watching your team play.
5: Um, you know, what happened in Houston, I mean, uh, you know, we just couldn't get on the same page. Um, you know, as as you know, as a competitor, as a guy that loves the game, you know, it was it was tough to be away from from the sport, from my craft, from my teammates. Um, but it was a business decision, you know. And I think um, at the end of the day, we, we we mutually decided that it was best that I, you know, not be there. And I think um, you know, it was no hard feelings. I think on, on either side, and um, you know, it worked out.
2: I, I want to get to Seattle, obviously, and I want to get to what you're doing charity-wise this week, but but I can't help but ask you, obviously you took a, uh, you took a formidable stance against what Bob Bob McNair was leaked to have said in a private meeting. How much of them trading you was that? How much of it was based upon, uh, the fact you couldn't, you couldn't come to terms with the new salary.
5: Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much, you know, that had to do with it. Um, obviously, you know, what was said is something I didn't agree with. And, um, you know, I was vocal about it. Um, you know, so uh, I'm not sure how much that had to do with it. You know, I, I can only tell you how I felt on my end. And, um, you know, I was, I was I stand by what I said and, and how I felt about it. So, um, like I said, I but it's it, 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 just still no hard feelings there. You know, I, I got nothing but love for everyone in Houston. I had a great nine years there, had a lot of success there individually and as a team. So um, I'm happy in the time I spent there.
2: Okay, so you arrive in Seattle. What was your perception of the Seahawks having, having never played? Like, you guys played against the Seahawks earlier this year. What was your uh, what was your perception of the Seahawks as an outsider?
5: I always had a huge amount of respect for the organization. You know, obviously they've had a lot of success. Uh, been in Super Bowls, won Super Bowls, a lot of uh, division titles, you know, and, and just the culture in the, the locker room here. I've always had a lot of respect for the guys and, and the way that they go about their business and how they – they treat each other, you know, so uh, being able to play against them the Sunday before I got here, you know, you just, you know, it was obviously a hard-fought game, very close game, um, you know, a lot of excitement, you know, and, and to be here just a couple of days later, everyone had a lot of respect, you know, for me and, and everything I'd done in my career, and the feeling was mutual, so it was, uh, it was a very easy transition, and the guys embraced me immediately.
2: Yeah, they embraced you and you were in a position where everyone needed you. On the other hand, like look, now all of a sudden there's some shuffling with the offensive line. Like how do you handle that? How do you you'd only been in one place. You go to a new locker room with a new line and everybody, I think in football knew that they had had some issues with that line. Um what did you do to ingratiate yourself with this new with the, with the new offensive line group that did need you but you're still taking somebody's job, moving guys around?
5: Um I think the guys on the offensive line, you know, it's a very, very young group. So, uh, you know, they've obviously, you know, watched me throughout the years, and, and all, like I said, had a lot of respect for for what I've done, and, and you know, the way I go about my business. Um, you know, I came in very humbly, humbly humbling, um, and you know, I just uh, went about trying to get to know, get to know him. You know, I was I was very familiar with the system. You know, I spent a lot of time with it when I was with Coach Kubiak, so that was a, a pretty easy transition there and just getting some recall and learn the terminology and you know once they saw you know how I worked and and how I went about my business you know it was it was pretty easy you know and but as it, a as a it's all the line it's all about chemistry it's all about continuity so we're still learning to to build that you know and and Luke Jokel came back last week and this is my first time playing with him uh next to each other so you know it, it's still a work in progress but we're doing pretty good
2: yeah, and and like look, you guys are kind of thrown into the fire now. Now you got a couple of weeks but you get Luke back and you get the Philadelphia Eagles who many regard as if not the best front seven in the conversation of best front sevens. Isn't this a great kind of litmus test for exactly where you guys are as a group?
5: Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you you want to compete against the best. And uh Philly's playing the best football best football in the league right now. So, um as a unit, we were all looking toward, toward this talent, you know, and uh we got him at home. You know, so um, that that'll help us out some. You know, I think we got a good plan for them going into it, Um, but it's just a huge test. We're gonna have to get some good work in this week, and um, you know, they're they're the best team right now. You know, so it's why not? Why wouldn't you want to play against a group like that?
2: Um, You um, uh, you know, really, you know all too well about diabetes and and what it can do to your family. Your your mom and your grandma, right? Both type two. Yeah. And and this has caused you. I mean, you are a I mean, you play a major role as an ambassador for the American Diabetes Association. Um, yeah, and look, some of it is uh, hereditary, some of it is diet-based. What What should we know about diabetes that we don't, that, that most, I think, most common Americans don't know?
5: I think it's, uh like you said, some of it, a lot of it is diet-based, you know, and, and uh, um, I think in our culture, especially in the African-American community, a lot of the foods that we eat that we've to know and love, you know, the the quote-unquote comfort foods and things like that, um, they carry a lot of things that can, you know, destroy your body, you know, over time. And I think uh, for me, just watching how it's uh, wreaked havoc, you know, in my family and in the, in the country overall, I think uh, I just wanted to bring some more awareness to it. Um, you know, I became an ambassador with the American Diabetes Association and we created the uh, Team Tackle Initiative a couple years ago where we went to Congress, you know, and and proposed different ideas to them on how to bring more awareness and and try to find a cure for it. Um, So I think uh, just being conscious of it, you know, I think uh, people going to test to see if you're prone to it uh, is is a huge step in in living your life the right way and, and trying to avoid it.
2: Dwayne Brown joining us, Pro Bowl left tackle for the Seattle Seahawks, getting ready to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. He's an ambassador for the American Diabetes Association. Of course, this is my cleats, my cause weekend. So, what are cleats uh, for the ABA? What are, what are the, what are those cleats going to look like?
5: Uh, they're pretty cool, man. Um, their their colors are like red and white and and um, and black. So you know they're kind of red. You know they have the their logo in it with the American Diabetes Association in it. Um, I'm going to post a picture on my Instagram and my Twitter at uh, DwayneBrown76 um, to, to show the world kind of what they look like and, you know, like I said, show what they're about and, and, and what the ADA is all about. And um, I think it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad the NFL is doing this, and uh, this is my first year um, being involved in it, so I'm looking forward to it.
2: All right, help me out with this. Um, look, Russell Wilson, sometimes he's back there. He seems like his drops are the the deepest drops in the NFL. And then some of the plays he makes and the scrambles he makes. It's like, how do you, how do, you do your job when you've played with, you've played with a, obviously a bunch of different quarterbacks in Houston, some good, some, some Ryan Mallett's, and, and, you know, like so you all over the map. So I guess my question is, like, yeah. how does your job and what you do change when you're playing with Russell?
5: It's, it's a bit of an adjustment, you know, having a, a guy that scrambles, you know, the way he does. Um, you know, you first and foremost, you just want to do your job, get to your spot, and 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 try to shut guys down. Um, at the same time, you you don't really know where he might be, um, so you just try to avoid holding calls. You know, when I know once he gets out of the pocket, it's going to be hard for guys to catch him before he gets rid of the ball or breaks a line the scrimmage and gets downfield. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not difficult for me. You know, I still operate the same way, but just try to be aware that you know he may, you know run right past me, right or left, you know, at any given moment. Uh, and the plays he makes is just incredible. He's a, he's a phenomenal player and uh, just very exciting, you know, and it's it's pretty cool to have a guy like that that it's about for.
2: He's also got a really good, probably next to Aaron Rodgers, he's got the second best hard count in the league. Is that that, that fair? I'd say so. Okay, so, I, I mean, so. like, look, you're, you're a big fella, and, you know, you're getting ready to do your job. You're going to kind of your drop. You're thinking about dropping that left leg, but you got to worry about his hard count. Like, are you, are you talking to yourself? Like, it's on two, it's on two, it's on two. Like, how do you, how do you what's, what's your process of making sure you don't jump on that hard count? <laughs>
5: uh, I, I, I keep the count in my head. You know, uh, as, you, as you approach the line, you know, you kind of get a feel for the defense and what's going on. You make your calls. And then you remind yourself, okay, it's on to, you know, you, you, you might try to, you know, communicate to the guy next to you the same thing because, you know, when you're making those calls, you can kind of lose sight of of the cadence. And uh, he, he makes you believe it. He makes you believe that it's coming, you know. So um, you just try to keep that in the back of your mind throughout the whole pre-snap read.
2: Yeah, listen, he's he's pretty amazing at it, and not jumping is a lot harder than it, than it looks. Like you're sitting there watching on TV, and you almost get jumpy uh, with the hard count. Dwayne, listen, uh, this is a this is a great. My my dad had type two diabetes before, until he died. I know uh, your family's been greatly affected by, by it. Really appreciate what you're doing to bring awareness to this disease, and best of luck against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football.
5: Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All
2: right, it's Dwayne Brown of the. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, so weird to not say Houston Texans, right? Super strange.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: The Giants are not going to start Eli Manning. Okay. Got to take a look at somebody else, right? Got to see him against live bullets. And oh yeah, by the way, this is tanking without calling it tanking. right. I don't care how good Davis Webb is. You have a better chance of winning with Eli Manning as your quarterback because he's Eli Manning for a reason. But if you're Giants, you're at 2-9, and nine and you're competing with the uh, Niners who are threatening to play Jimmy Garoppolo, the Bears who are 3-8, and eight, uh, the Browns who are 0-11 and, and quickly working towards 0-16, like, you got to protect your draft position. And I love this. I'd Like, we're not trying to lose. We're trying to play young. How does young usually work out? Not so much. But they want to take a look at Davis Webb. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense is the fact that they're first going to take a look at Geno Smith. So, uh, what does it say about, about uh, Ben McAdoo's? Job status? I mean, this is not a decision that Ben McAdoo plays into. They've they've either told him he already knows he's gone. And the question is, you know, easy way or hard way. Hey man, you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? Or kind of like Todd Bowles, they know they're down, but he's their guy, and they're gonna give him another year, but you gotta work with him here in his last couple games of the year. Let them work through the roster and see what they like and what they don't like. And how are you ever going to tell if you need a quarterback if you don't play all of the quarterbacks on your roster? So I have no idea of McAdoo. My guess is that you'd think McAdoo is gone, except you have to know the Giants organization. They are really, really slow to pull the trigger. I mean, if you remember Tom Coughlin... Should have been fired two or three years before he actually was fired. First, they had Steve Spagnuolo, who came back as a defense coordinator. He was bad. They had Perry Fuel. He was bad. They changed the offensive coordinators as well. That's when they brought in Ols- that's when they brought in uh, McAdoo. Was they tra- tra- changed the offensive coordinators? And then the thought was, hey, the offense is fixed. We've been able to fix and get more life out of Eli Manning. Let's fix the defense. They did that going back to two off seasons ago. But then the offensive line broke down. Odell Beckham Jr. was never healthy. They haven't established a running game. And frankly, there just aren't good enough pieces on offense to even make it formidable at all. And um, I I think that that Eli falling on his sword saying, look, you're going to pull me anyway. Why even start me? Is Is an admirable point. It makes the starting Geno Smith even more peculiar. Well, I I like I liken it again. Um, I liken it again to senior night, right? Senior night and high school basketball. You know, those guys are like put Jimmy in, put Jimmy in, put Jimmy in. Finally, the coach is like, you know what? We're going to start Jimmy on senior night, so those idiot fan, idiot friends of his will stop chanting. But. Um, what we all thought would happen to Tom Brady appears to be close to happening with Eli Manning. I remember Tom Brady's dad thought he'd finish somewhere else. There was always thoughts that he'd finish maybe for the San Francisco 49ers because he grew up a Niners fan. Now, Troy Aikman finished, with, but he finished early because of a concussion. Brett Favre didn't. Brett Favre went to the uh, Jets first, then to the Vikings for a couple years. Tony Romo chose to go to broadcasting, but that was only because the number one chair at CBS came available. Otherwise he'd be in Houston. He'd be in Denver. And those, you know, between Kansas city appears to have its heir apparent. So too does. So too does Houston. But if you can get Eli for a year in Denver where his brother's been successful, doesn't that make a lot of sense? Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. The same trade that was viable a month and a half ago before the trade deadline is probably going to be viable um, once we get to the offseason.